1: Here's a tip. Cuando la salsa picante del Spicy Crispy Chicken Sandwich de McDonald's cae en el wrapper, se convierte en un dip para tus papitas. Esas papitas que te llevas con refresco mediano gratis al comprar cualquiera de los Crispy Chicken Sandwiches de McDonald's por el app. Crispy, juicy, and tender. Es pollo a la McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado en el app de McDonald's. ba, 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 ba. valido del 28 de febrero al 3 de abril del 2022. Solo McDonald's participantes de Estados Unidos. Válido una vez por semana. Se requiere descarga y registro de la aplicación de McDonald's. Fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ Chicago Bulls Podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show. Thank you to Blue Chew and Bet Online for sponsoring the show. We are here to wrap up the last two episodes of The Last Dance. We're a little late to it because uh, my good old friend C-, C. Red Fred decided to have his anniversary and decided to spend <laughs> his time with his wife rather than me. So I'm feeling a little, a little shocked by the news, a little disappointed, a little. A little heartbroken to, to be honest with you, to know where I stand in this, uh, in this triangle, uh, this triangle <laughs> love affair, Frederick. But can you explain yourself to the listeners? I,
0: well, unfortunately, I don't even know if my wife knows you exist, Mark. I gotta be honest. <laughs> That's how little she's interested in my podcasting, uh, excellence and you know my minor celebrity status in the bulls world so she just said uh let's plan on having dinner so i said oh that's fine and that's pretty much how the conversation went she doesn't know you're around but i will tell her about you to
1: make it feel better yeah i'll look i'm happy for you to keep me as your uh secret companion if that's what you <laughs> want it to be When's your anniversary isn't it coming up my man it's- uh no it was what he's wearing mate so it was last month it was last month Oh,
0: congratulations. Happy belated anniversary. I didn't know that. We probably did a show on the night your
1: anniversary. I wouldn't be surprised. You're more Uh, dedicated than I am. Maybe. Maybe I am more dedicated. That is definitely true. But uh, who cares? We move on. uh, (laughs) I I know where I stand now. I know where I stand. (laughs) But uh, maybe we can resolve this next year. But we are not here to gloat over our our, uh, relationship. We're here to talk about the last two episodes of The Last Dance, which aired on Sunday night obviously the conclusion of the series the docy series it really went into i guess the last 2 seasons or the last two playoff runs really the the uh the 97 finals against the jazz the the 98 series eastern conference series against the indiana Pacers, as well as obviously the 1998 finals against the utah jazz again so that was the main basketball action that we got from this episode and uh, and there was a lot of basketball in this episode actually which was nice to see Mm -hmm. but uh there was a few other little bits and pieces that i did enjoy probably even more so than the basketball elements of those two episodes but um yeah i'll throw it to you mate what did you make of the last couple episodes
0: Uh, there wasn't any great revelations. I thought that a couple of the the behind the scenes stuff was really cool after they won and he's going through the hotel. There were tons of people there and then he was holding court in his room with a bunch of, uh, admirers while he's playing piano. I enjoyed that. You know, I enjoyed it a lot, but there wasn't really anything I didn't, I didn't really know. I think it did a good job of kind of, uh really elevating Pippen. I thought, you know, obviously him gutting it out in the game six was a great thing to see. But I, I was a little bit angry and mortified at the at the coverage of uh Tony Kukoch to talk about the Pacers and correctly identify them as probably their biggest rival as far as our biggest threat to winning six titles. That's what they were. I mean they went seven games and not even mention. He doesn't even get a mention in game seven. I thought it was Absolutely ridiculous, you know, and it kind of bothered me somewhat, since I am a big Ku coach fan. But, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy who let let that kind of stuff just roll over his back. But what what say you? Did you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I I kind of felt the same. I know you and I had been talking about Tony and his lack of appearances. Beyond uh, whatever episode it was, where they focused on '92, the, the the dream team, and obviously fo- facing Ku coach in 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 the Olympics, that was really the most of when we saw Tony. And I just kept thinking, oh yeah, yeah, that, you know, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. He wasn't necessarily a big figure in the early '90s. Obviously, came came more into it in the mid to late '90s. So I, I kept thinking that we would get something. In, you know, episodes nine and 10, particularly that they are focusing on uh, that Pacers series and, and even the, the Jazz series, the 98 series. And particularly with uh, Rodman not necessarily being the same old Rodman, the Bulls were leaning on Kukoc more heavily in those couple, last couple of years or more so in 98. So yeah, I was surprised to see that we didn't get much Kukoc in, in uh, in, you know, episode 10 at least or even nine against the Pacers series. That, that was weird considering, you know, that was probably, you know, outside of a couple of memorable shots, like the the shot in 94, which they did mention his game against the Pacers where he went off at 30 points or whatever, like that, that's probably one of his his most complete iconic games and not to touch on it and not to mention his influence on those games. It, it was kind of weird. It was, and he, he deserved better. You know, there was just so many
0: comments from Michael and, and I think some of the other players, like, where it was just like, hey, stay out here with me. Don't leave me all alone. Like, Kind of when you say when you make comments like that, you're really minimizing the importance of Tony Kukoc, and I just thought it was a little bit unfair. But you know what? It's not anything I'm going to lose sleep over. But I know how important he was. I know he had 21 points in that deciding game seven. I know he had 30 points in game five and was against the Utah Jazz in '98. He was absolutely outstanding. I know how important he was to the Bulls. I felt like that year he was even slightly more important due to the fact that Pippen had so many injuries and was gone for so such a large part of the season. I thought he was more important than Scotty on the offensive end, without a doubt. Defensively, he'll never come close to Scotty Pippen, but uh, you know I just thought it was a little bit unfair. And then it led into the debate of, you know, could they have won seven? That was a real gut shot, something I kind of always kind of felt deep down that Michael probably wanted to play one more season and for him to finally come out and say it. It really hurt. And uh, I don't know. I started crying. My son actually saw me started crying when, when he said that. I was I a combination of anger, disappointment, but it just goes back to what I said before this. It's a tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy that the Chicago Bulls did not get a chance to defend their sixth title. Uh, I don't think it's something to be positive and look at at all. You know, all of life ends in an L. We all die at some point. Um, and most great champions, are, their last game usually ends in an L. If it's Muhammad Ali or the New England Patriots, um, the Bulls deserved a shot at number seven. They didn't get it you know, for a wide variety of reasons. And it, it brings me sorrow.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I was definitely wanted to touch on this because – I felt it, it was a weird feeling at the conclusion of watching this. Obviously, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I probably wanted it to be more bull centric than Jordan centric, to be honest with you. Uh it, in a lot of ways, it was a Jordan propaganda film, which you know I'm completely fine with because I am part of the uh, part of the masses that want to see anything related to Michael Jordan, particularly new footage. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, like him uh, sharing his thoughts on all on his entire career, essentially. So that. I was always going to sign up to it no matter what they put out, but there were some things that I was disappointed with more generally with the with, with the documentary. But I mean thinking about more so how I felt leaving the end of episode ten, I, I, I was just more mad and just angry based on the way it ended, Though, as you sort of suggested, you know, the fact that they didn't get a chance to come back and and, and at least go for number seven. Who knows if they, they want it, but you know, just to see Jordan just, just be, I guess, disappointed, mad, still holding that grudge 20 odd years later on that you know Reinsdorf, Krauss, whoever else didn't allow that team to go out on their own accord. Jordan basically had to go into retirement. And just to think that you know, the Chicago Bulls, after all the money that Michael Jordan had made the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan made the Chicago Bulls more so globally, but to, just to just for Jerry Krause to say that he didn't want to bring back the team or certain players of that team because they, he didn't want to pay above market value for those players after Jordan has made you a billionaire has turned, turned your fright franchise into an absolute global icon. Like that line infuriated me so much to the point where I just left the documentary feeling just so angry. And you know, the, the 10 hours that I had preceded that I almost had forgotten based on that one line. Now maybe that says more about me than it does some other people who could sit there and, rationalize it and separate it all and and do all that but I just couldn't help but feeling just super disappointed super angry and just you know what a what a disgrace it was to have the greatest player of all time on your squad and you essentially sent him into retirement because you didn't want to you know empower him or bring back the team and and just sort of let him end his career the way he wanted to do it which he should have had every right to do. We we talked about player empowerment I think last week or perhaps even the week before about if this was today Someone like MJ, even or even LeBron, they would be dictating what the franchise franchise does and, and and can do. But for whatever reason, back when MJ was playing, even though he was the greatest of all time, he he's, he ha- he virtually had no power. I mean, it was all about up It was all about Kraft. So I, I was just really annoyed at at the end and like really angry, which I didn't. Ex- I sort of expected to feel, but not to the not to the level that I did. See, so it's still mixed for me with
0: Reinsdorf because I do feel like. You know, he did try to step in twice previously. I, I have, I hold, harbor most of the ill feelings towards Krauss. Like the idea that Krauss wanted to break up the team in the, after they won 72 and 10 is just insane to me. I'm glad that Ryan stepped in and prevented that. I'm glad he stepped in again after that. And according to the documentary, he called Phil Jackson after the, was it the day after they won and said, I want you back. So there was some kind of half-hearted attempt there. And at some part of me also believes like, I thought Pippen really had declined to the point – I mean, it's proven. Like, did he really live up to that contract that he signed, that massive contract with Houston and the sign-in trade that eventually went to Portland? I mean, some might argue yes. I, I thought he faded considerably after that. Um, but that's the problem is if, if the Bulls would have drafted Michael Finley instead of Jason Caffey in 1995 – Jordan might have been more likely to come back, even if Pippen walked. That was the whole problem, is that they were put in a position where they had to sign Pippen to uh, a long-term contract, where if they were a little bit more smart and aggressive, they could have maybe torn up their previous agreement and signed them under more reasonable terms in 1996. So, But when it gets down to it, to me, it's clear, I mean, why this happened. And I can really summarize it best by John Jackson in an excellent Hoops Hype article, He was the beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times from 94 to 99, and I'm going to read this as, quote, Jerry Krause was ready to break up the team at that point, and Jerry Reinsdorf didn't want to bring back the team because the Bulls' payroll in 97-98 was around $61.3 million, and to bring the team back, it would have been at least $80 million. Winning championships was great for Reinsdorf, but considering the revenue they brought in in 97-98... That wasn't one of their more profitable years. The 1998 99 season was probably their most profitable year ever because the payroll was around 28.6 million and their revenue was roughly the same. So Reinsdorf wasn't opposed to breaking up the team either. End quote. I mean, that's it, right? I mean, you have a payroll of 28.6, and although the team is awful, United Center was still filled. There's only a certain amount of delta in what you could do in, in, in making more money. like You can't add seats to the United Center. So even if you did bring them back, I think the Bulls would have been less profitable. I don't think there's any question about that because Phil would have cost a ton, Michael would have cost a ton, a bunch of one-year contracts that those players would have cost a ton of money. And the Bulls were actually more profitable by going in the, in the rebuilding route and I I assumed in the back of their minds they also felt like well we can at least build a contender quicker than bringing back this team that more than likely wouldn't win a title for a lot of money you know it's a mistake in retrospect but I I bet you that's what their thinking was what say you
1: I I would agree that's what they're thinking was they probably thought they could you know do everything at the same time essentially start the rebuild but they wanted to, re- to restart. They they're probably so confident in in Jerry Krauss and you know Rinzoff was probably so confident in Krauss, and obviously Krauss is confident in his ability to rebuild that. You know they've probably thought that you know we built this championship team that won six odd titles in eight in eight years we could do it again. Like I'm sure they had that feeling and we could do it again by also cashing in and still making bank from a revenue perspective while keeping our player costs down. Um, during the rebuild and thus earning more profit during the time so for the two jerrys I, I can understand why it made sense but i see this is why i'm not prepared to give ryan's off any 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 uh leeway at all because i, I mean he did say in the, in the in at the conclusion of episode 10 that he went to phil and basically said anything that was said before previously about you not having your job you know that's in the past yeah. I, I'm, I'm overruling and saying you can come back next season but he said that at the same time as saying it was still going to be a rebuilding season. So, he offered the job to Phil in 99 under the provisor that it would still be a rebuild it would still it would still go ahead in terms of the rebuild itself Kraus would still be around so you're making mm. that offer to Phil but based on that obviously Phil was never going to come back and if Phil doesn't come back then Michael doesn't come back so Jerry can say that he offered uh Phil Jackson to come back and and offered Michael to come back but really what he was offering was uh nothing to do on nothing on their terms essentially and whilst I accept you know maybe they may have made a more More of a profit in the in that one lone season in '99. Obviously, there's no way that I personally can quantify, but just think of the negative backlash and potential lost opportunities that you have from having Michael Jordan continue his career uh, with the Bulls for another two or three seasons. So maybe he doesn't retire. Maybe the whole Wizards the whole Wizards era never happens, and Michael, who knows? Maybe he wins another title. Maybe he doesn't. But at least we get to see the goat play one more season, two more seasons, three more seasons, whatever it is. But to, just to break it all up for, for money reasons, uh, and yeah, maybe Steve Kerr, maybe uh, Scotty Pippen may have been overpaid. But like I said, like these guys, including Jordan, mostly Jordan, had turned, you, had turned you into a billionaire, had made you so much money, continued to make you so much money. I mean, the Bulls are still a global brand, their likeness. I mean, the reason I'm talking to you now, they are still a huge, iconic franchise that Reinsdorf makes money on, it makes billions on. Or millions on per, per year that is all to do with michael jordan so from my from my standpoint as a fan you, you can sacrifice some profit in in 98 because you were sort of making bank in those first few years when jordan was earning only two or three million dollars per year so I, I i've got no i've got no stance or no position where i i have any ounce of me that wants to defend jerry ryan ryan Zelf. and to me he's the, he's the sole reason the whole thing ended and he's the true villain of this documentary all good points. I still
0: and you know, I still have some harbor some positive feelings for Reinsdorf. Um I, I think overall he was a good owner, but there's no denying um that, you know, especially when you compare it to what the Lakers did for Magic Johnson. If there was ever a player in the history of all organized sports that deserve part ownership of an organization, it would be Michael Jordan. And the fact is the way his story played out he played 2 years for another franchise uh it's just so disappointing disheartening in retrospect it makes me want to throw up you know i don't know what else to say i hope that this can be rectified in some form or fashion i hope those two can you know I, he still did obviously i mean you you would have to be insane not to recognize what michael's contributions and i'm sure he tried to do that by you know the statue etc but i agree with a lot of what you said i hate to admit it but it's true
1: yeah it's 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 just tough for me to get past so that yeah that was my feeling at the conclusion of of the last dance it's, it's kind of been my feeling post the last dance as well like i, I haven't listened to any I haven't consumed any content related to The Last Dance. To me, it kind of feels like like season eight of Game of Thrones where I was so invested to everything that was happening prior to that season, but then I left that end of that conclusion or the, the conclusion of that series just feeling so down and so annoyed about it all that I just stopped immediately thinking about it, stopped thinking or consuming any content in relation to it that I wanted, I wanted nothing to do with Game of Thrones. And I kind of felt that same way with The Last Dance because I was so annoyed what sort of transpired that I, I didn't want to listen to any podcast about it. I didn't want to read anything about it. I know it's odd to say given that we, we are literally podcasting about it now, but this is the first time I've actually thought about episodes 9 and 10 after it aired because I was just so, so angry. And, you know, maybe other Bulls fans feel differently and I, I completely understand. I'm, I'm sure there were lot, many who were who who end, that, or end their viewing of that feeling uh, super fondly about that era, and I I completely get it. And like I said, maybe this more more about me than it does does others. But uh, I just can't I just can't get past that. I don't think it's going to die
0: anytime soon, though. I got to tell you, it's like an entire cottage industry of interviews from people associated with that team. And I think so many people felt that they were kind of given a the short straw. That I think it's going to continue for months. That you're going to have. I mean, look at today in Chicago, Mark. I mean, you're not here, but all the sports airwaves are awash with this Horace Grand interview with David Kaplan earlier where he called out a lot of stuff with MJ. And it's clear that there's major issues between him and Michael um, you know, I'll, I'll have a quote from this interview. Lie, lie, lie. If MJ had a grudge with me, let's settle this like men. Let's talk about it or we can settle it another way. But yet and still he goes out and puts this lie out that I was the source behind the book. Sam and I have always been friends. We're still great friends. But the sanctity of that locked room, I would never put anything personal out there. The mere fact that Sam Smith was an investigative reporter, that he had to have two sources, too to write a book, I guess. Why would M- MJ just point me out? End quote. And there were a lot of criticisms of Michael in this. It's bothering me a little bit. I think Craig Hodges' critiques were utterly ridiculous. I mean, listening to some of that stuff, I love Craig Hodges. He's one of my favorite players in a Bulls uniform. I think he was a very underrated player. But for him to go out and say, you know, like some of his critiques of Michael talking about the cocaine circus, why did that come up, et cetera, I'm just like, come on, man, give me a break. You know, like – it's a it's a documentary meant to be entertaining and if somebody was a part of the cocaine circus they can tell their family members that they weren't part of it you know defend themselves but to act like you know this is not interesting or this is something that fans wouldn't want to lear, learn about and some of his other comments like you know michael uh Craig Hodges basically had the in, indicated that Michael was a little bit of I, I let's, let's be honest, a ball hog, and then if he would have shared the ball more, some of them would have been you know could have achieved greatness too. Give me a break. That's that's insane. That's nonsense. And I was laughing at a lot of that interview on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, but you know, God bless Craig and Godspeed.
1: Yeah, I certainly haven't seen or heard the uh, the Horace Grant stuff. I've read articles that refer to his quotes and. Uh, and all those sorts of things. So I'll tune into his uh, his interview later on and just hear his own words uh, and him the concept, on the context of those words. But yeah, I'm not surprised that certain bulls in this documentary are feeling the way they are. And uh, we haven't really heard from Scotty at all either. Uh, I, um, it's been reported a couple of times from a different people, a couple different people that they believe that he's not uh, overly thrilled about the way he's being portrayed in this uh, docu series as well. So. Yeah, it's interesting how his teammates will fare coming out of this. Not that he'll ultimately care because, I mean, he didn't care when he was playing with it, with them all, really. So why would he care about their reaction to this documentary all these years later? So it's an interesting subplot to your point, which will keep this conversation going. And I want to keep this conversation about The Last Dance going as well. But before I do, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. First, let me tell you about Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling "After the Dance." Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code Blue to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. I also want to tell the guys listening about Blue Chew. Looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. BlueChew's online physician is free of cost and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's blue 2com Promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, back to the show now. And uh, We were talking about Jordan's teammates and how they were portrayed in this particular documentary, how they feel exiting this documentary. There's, there's clearly a few that feel egregious and, you know, Horace Grant, most definitely is one, given the fact that he's sort of uh, been portrayed as the one who snitched to Sam Smith around the '92 period. I suppose when the, when the Jordan rules came out, uh, like I said, Scotty reportedly hasn't been overly thrilled about the way he's been portrayed. Craig Hodges, we talked about, um, but but another thing that I sort of felt watching episode nine and ten was, and maybe this this, ta- this takes the conversation to a different place, but I I and you sort of alluded to it before the fact that Jordan had. You know, essentially once he left Chicago, he never really came back. And that was another feeling that I got in in watching this that so many of the faces that we did see from a Chicago Bulls perspective haven't really been connected with the franchise since in any way really I mean there's been a couple obviously John Pax and Scotty had that special advisor role for a brief period but I was obviously uh, lost that role this year Horace is in that role sort of now but what does that even mean coach has a similar type role but I mean most players who exit the franchise don't necessarily come back on good terms which is disappointing I don't know if that's the case of Michael I'm sure he still has fondness for Chicago the city his teammates, the balls themselves, but the people within the franchise—I I don't know. But I don't know. This, I, the reason why I'm I'm bringing this up is that. I think the that that little segment that they did on Steve Kerr was probably my favorite part of episodes nine and ten, and uh, I thought that was the most moving part. It was the, we didn't necessarily learn anything new. We, we knew most of that stuff no. about Steve Kerr, but given the person Steve Kerr is, I could listen to him, listen to him talk all day and just his personality, who he is, how he fit with Jordan, how he fit with the team, and I, I just had that feeling once. We got done watching that segment of you know how did we not bring Steve Kerr, someone like him, back into the organization in some shape or form? Or not even just Steve Kerr, but most of these former Bulls. It it sort of just feels it, it's just a bad feeling to me, at least as a Bulls fan, that so many of our greats, so many of the uh, of the players that we sort of immortalized during this era, uh, even beyond that era, we can th- we can talk about the latest era too. How, how how they end on such poor terms or how they exit the fran- franchise on poor terms. That was another feeling that I had watching this too. And I guess we you know we got that sense as well from Michael, the way he was sort of talking about not getting that chance to come back. But I, I felt it too with Steve Kerr as well. Well,
0: uh, I got to disagree with that assessment, Mark. I mean, I know partly is the fact that you're in Australia, but – Tony Kukoc, Scotty Pippen for a long time was a Bulls ambassador. He was brought back with with open arms by Michael Reinsdorf. Uh, Horace Grant is a Bulls ambassador. There's a lot of former players that have been invited back to be part of the organization. I mean, those three, I, I would argue Horace Grant, uh, Tony Kukoc, and, and Scotty Pippen. I mean, who else would you invite back ahead of them? John Paxson's obviously involved with the organization. Um, we had Randy Brown as a coach for a long time. I think they've done at least in recent years under Ryan, Michael Reinsdorf's leadership understanding the importance of bringing these guys back and 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 selling that internally and 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 also to the season ticket holders um obviously the biggest problem is Michael you know you didn't you, you made mistakes back in that era where he was allowed to become an owner of another team he should have been an owner of the Chicago Bulls. That was something that they that they definitely missed and struck out on. But I don't hold that against Michael Reinsdorf. He, he I don't think he was in the decision making process when that happened. They made a mistake, you know, they're paying for it now. But definitely I feel like a lot of the former Bulls have been brought back. I was at an event 2 years ago, 3 years ago for the Windy City Bulls where I got to spend half an hour with Tony Kukoc. It was one of the best experiences of my life along with 50 other people. Um, you know, Horace Grant at a at an event. I, you know, obviously before Bulls outsiders, I sat with Horace for 2 hours and just asked him question after question, talked on a lot, long large variety of topics, but you know, all his comments were very fond towards the organization. So I think that's a little bit unfair. Scotty Pippen obviously was recently let go uh, as a Bulls ambassador, but frankly he deserved to be fired. He should have been fired you know, with his incredibly <laughs> stupid comments that uh, he doesn't know who the players are. I mean, God, if I owned a team and I was paying somebody, you know, what are you paying for? My goodness. You, <laughs> those were absolutely insane. It's just Scotty being Scotty. Occasionally every other year I'll come up with an incredibly dumb comment. Still love him.
1: Continues. Here.
0: <laughs> here he goes. I still love him. Still great. <laughs> One of the great Bulls legends. The second best Bull of all time. They retired his number. Paxson did a lot to try to bring him back into the organization, but I gotta say, unfair uh, characterization.
1: Yeah, I, I I disagree. I mean, just look at Horace Grant. The way things ended with him, and the the way he was. It took a long, long, long time for him to come back to Chicago. What I mean, he back. He's back now, finally, but after what twenty, twenty five years, it did not end well at all. Well,
0: I asked him specifically about that, Horace. Why did you break my heart and leave? I, well, he so, took the money. Did I ever tell you this story? Uh, uh, so I, I, I walked in, and, and it, for the it was the I think January twelfth, two thousand nineteen. I was on Bulls Outsiders uh, before the during the Utah game. They played Utah away. I I stepped in and there's Horace Grant sitting there and Kendall Gill in the uh, green room. We got to watch the entire game together. And the first thing I said to Horace, I go, Horace, well, I gave him a big hug. Number one, guy looks awesome. He's massive, 6'10". You know, just looked incredible. I said, Horace, I hope you don't mind, but... I'm going to be asking you question after question for the next two hours. So tell me right now if you want me to shut the hell up. He's like, no, go ahead and fire away. <laughs> and I just be proceeded to have two hours of the best conversation, locker room talk with Kendall Gill on to my left and Horace Grant to my right. But the one of the first questions I asked Horace was, why did you leave? What happened? And he goes, would you leave for $30 million? He goes, I I was basically given a contract for, I think it was, I think it was five years, 50 million. I can't remember what the exact terms were, but when it came down to it, Orlando offered him like 30 million more. And I said, Horace, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I first got out of college, this one company offered me, I think 42,000. The other company offered 28. I went with the 42. So we just shook hands and we agreed. <laughs> you get that Mark? Are you there? Did you fall asleep? I thought it was no, a good no, joke. I'm sort of. <laughs> listening. I'm not I That was the time. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so we talked about that. We talked about a lot of things. And uh, where, where was this going? I, I forget. What was your original? The, the point was,
1: yeah, he left for the money, but those negotiations were tense. It didn't, from my recollection, at least, the, it, the negotiations didn't go well. And when he exited the franchise, and obviously exiting and taking the more more money as he should have, as most people would have. I'm talking more so from the relationship standpoint. I mean a lot of players will leave franchises and and you know go and play for a different team for whatever reason, whether it's money or something else. The ties that they have to that organization aren't sort of uh then they're not broken to an extent, and it took a long time for those to be mended with with Horace at least. And I think the same can be true. I think the same can be said for a lot of players. I mean, if we think about the way Joakim Noah was sort of booted out of the franchise, and what Reinsdorf had to say at that point. I mean, Derek Rose. That's probably a little bit a bit of a different story. But even Jimmy Butler, we know he um that didn't end on on great terms either. So I'm, I think more generally, it, 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 the way it ends initially is pretty damn bad, and uh it may take. A very, very long time for those wounds to heal. In some cases, it won't. In some cases, it will. But uh, that's how I felt about Steve Kerr in the sense that he probably doesn't have any, uh, any poor feelings, let's say, towards the Bulls. But uh, even if that isn't the case, I, I'm listening to Steve Kerr talk he's so eloquently, talk so fondly about his time in Chicago. I mean, we've obviously seen what he's done with the Warriors. He was a GM at one point as well, obviously a, a commentator for for a long time as well on on TNT that these are the types of people you want to retain in your organization but we're bringing back I don't know Randy Brown and other little random guys like that Tony like,
0: Alright
1: Tony Grant one. Tony like I said they they came back recently. they came back yeah. recently they they're not synonymous with the way when you think about the Lakers and their former greats and how connected they are still to their franchise Compared to the Bulls, it's it's not even a comparison. I guess that- is
0: Hey, l- l- listen, let's just, let's just end it with this. I agree with you. At that era, there were a lot of problems. Delay. How that ended, there's no doubt. It's inexcusable. I think under his son, Michael Reinsdorf, and it started when PAX took over as GM, they've done a lot to try to bring back these important figures in our history. And so at least, I, I at least think they should take solace and rest in that fact that- They're really trying to, uh, to make an effort. And I I think that's, there's no doubt that's being done. Look, we got a new executive team in here. And I think going forward, you should feel solace that things are going to be much better.
1: (laughs) Wow. Now, that completely changed my opinion. Yeah. Thank (laughs) you for that. Uh,
0: (laughs) Mark, come on, man. This is the doggable nation in you, just like, just (laughs) going wild. Come on. It's not that bad anymore. You talk to any season ticket holder, some of the experiences they've had, and I'm not even a season ticket holder, and I've had some incredible experiences with this organization. I can't say enough good stuff about it. They're fantastic in the community. Yeah, there were big mistakes at the end of that—that those six titles. Nobody's going to deny that, but things are much brighter right now, and and we should be a lot more positive. You need to get back on the the boat.
1: On the boat now. It's not the bus, but... um. no, you're the most biased Bulls fan out there. You, your fandom can be bought, so I'm not, I'm not listening to you at all. So uh, <laughs> What are you talking about? All I have to do is wave one evening with Horace Grain in your face and all of a sudden you are smitten for the Bulls and Jerry Reinsdorf... That Harry wasn't Kress. even with the Bulls. Anyone that else, was with NBC. <laughs> <What are you laughs> anyone else, uh, they, they throw anything related to the Bulls in your face and you are completely and um, <laughs> completely, com- completely overwhelmed with it to the point where you cannot say a bad thing about the franchise. So
0: no, I, I can. Now Here's my hope, that you come visit the Americas, and I take you uh, to uh, visit Tony Kukoc. But yep. right before we meet him, before we open the <laughs> door, I'm going to make you uh, have a public announcement recorded that you uh, re- t- renounce all your past transgressions as a member of Doggable Nation. What do you think of that?
1: Well, look, I mean, international <laughs> travel is probably not going to happen for at least another <laughs> t- two to three years, maybe. Oh, that's one right. oh yeah. So, yeah, maybe in a few years, I'll try to get over there, mate. Um, I definitely want to meet you in person one day and um, have one of these podcasts in actual in actual person. That would be interesting. But yeah, sure. If Absolutely. You wanna, if you want to treat me to a night with Tony Kuko char Grant, and I try to have them sell me over or win me over to the point where I jump from Doggable Nation to Sea Red Nation or whatever you want to call it these days, the big red boat. <laughs> then You'd be I'll, a great you know, first
0: mate. You'd be a great first mate. <laughs> hey, I gotta ask you: yeah. Has there been a lot of talk down under
1: about Longley? As much as I've seen here, what's yeah. the what's the dealio? There has been some talk, probably last week, more so. Um, the, the fact that you know he wasn't part of the documentary, he hasn't necessarily said much himself. I don't think I haven't seen anything written about Luke Longley or a quote from him, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's been some discussion. I mean, the Last Dance has hit the airwaves on local sports radio to a degree because again there's nothing there's no actual sports going on so the uh the last dance is getting its coverage and um to to some degree so in in reference to that obviously luke Luke longley being connected to the bulls during that era he 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 does get mentioned but yeah there was some talk not an overwhelming amount of talk about it but um yeah he was clearly omitted from the documentary maybe he's one of those teammates that doesn't too uh, feel too fondly about uh, Michael. I know they, there was some reports that uh, the logistics of it all in terms of getting Longley over uh, or you know getting the, the director over for interviews, all that sort of stuff wasn't necessarily possible or too expensive. It wasn't in the budget. So mm. there's a few ways you could sort of read into it. But um, I was looking forward to Longley being connected to it and, and sharing his thoughts on it. But uh, obviously, he wasn't part of the documentary at all. Interesting. Yeah, he seems like such a good guy. He's in Perth, right? How far is that away from you? Perth is uh, about a three-hour flight from me. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, everyone's everyone speaks extremely fondly about Luke Longley and yeah. his influence on Australian basketball. Even Australians connected to the Chicago Bulls has been a few throughout the years. But uh, yeah, Luke Longley is one of those uh, forefathers of Australian basketball uh, from a men's standpoint. So uh, his influence, yeah, I don't know if there has been more. Any more that have been more influential than Luke Longley. He's certainly in the probably top two or three. That's for sure. That's for certain. Well, I
0: hope to, uh, when I get down there, I'll spend some time with you and I hope to visit Luke and do an interview with Luke and then maybe even uh, I'll visit Chris Ancy to tell him how horrible he was.
1: Well, don't do that because Chris Nancy's is a nice person. Uh, oh, maybe, he is. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe we can also check in with uh, Cameron Bairstow and see how he's going. <laughs> Cameron, he's got a great hairstyle. Luke <laughs> Schencher, I think, was a former Bull as well at one Luke point. <laughs> so I think, I think that's the only four Australians. I, I'm, maybe I'm forgetting another, but um, you know, we, maybe when ben, ben Simmons eventually becomes a, a Chicago Bull, we can have him on here. I'm sure he'd be more than willing to uh, spend it. I'll, I'll never forget.
0: A game I, – I can't remember what year Chris Anstey was on the Bulls. I think it might have been 99, 2000. One of those horrific, yeah, yeah. terrible years. <laughs> yeah. And I was at the United Center and he collapsed on one play, fell to the ground. and He got up – he had his legs crossed and he got up like just envisioned somebody with their legs crossed getting up without like touching the ground. So he got up straight up from having his legs crossed and me and my friend just looked at each other like that was the least – Athletic. It was the most pathetic way to get up that I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's one of our one of our greatest players to be honest. Oh, well, I'm he sorry was, for that. He was <laughs> an absolute star in Australia. Uh, he had a great career in Europe too. Um, didn't make it in the NBA, but uh, in terms of his influence in Australian basketball as well, he was one of our best players through uh, one of our best eras. So, I uh, I take offense to the way you were framed, his ability. He was a great player. He was a great player. <laughs> okay. a great player. <laughs> right, but we'll we've reached a portion of the, of the show, Fred, where we're talking about Chris Anstey, Cameron Bairstow. So that, to me, signals that we're probably at the, at the conclusion of the <laughs> show. But did you have any other final thoughts before we uh, end our last dance conversation about episodes nine or 10, or even the series in uh, in large? Series was
0: fantastic. It was a great diversion during this time's of trouble. I'm so glad they moved it up. Um, I think I hope it, hopefully it has educated – I think the number one purpose is educating the younger fans of what happened. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot with my son yesterday. He had no idea about a lot of stuff that happened. He didn't even really know about the flu game. He knew about the flu game, but he didn't know all the you know history behind it, how it was game five, how Jordan stepped up and really won the game by himself. It just – it was really great to see the younger generation get educated, and I think hopefully – counteract this effort to define LeBron as the greatest because as someone who's seen them both play, it's clear it's Michael. There's a Grand Canyon in LeBron's number two. So any type of effort to paint what I think is an accurate statement that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time is uh, is well worth the time, and it was very enjoyable. So I loved it. I hope it continues a renaissance in discussions on NBA history. I think these are all good. Um, I can't say enough about it. I thought they did a great job. Again, my biggest problem was Tony Kukoc was really just given a short straw. He was a lot more integral to us winning, especially in 98, than one would be left with an impression about. So I hope that's rectified in some form or fashion with a documentary on him. I am working on a doc. I think I mentioned this to you about the three alphas, and uh, I can't wait for that to come out.
1: Yeah, neither can, can I interview it should you? Be, it should be great at least in 2055 or whenever it's finally uh- – <laughs> Finally, finally produce it. Maybe, maybe as you're on your deathbed, as you as you drift into the
0: to, to the nether, you look up and there's on on the TV my uh, documentary on the three alphas. I think that'd be a great way to go.
1: <laughs> I don't know how I'm meant to feel about that comment to be honest, with you. but um, yeah, straight. Uh, if if that's the way my time on this earth end, then I certainly know where I'm going and it's not upstairs. So, uh, <laughs> In fact, I'm-
0: that might be a great,
1: what a great image for
0: for the final part of the doc is, as you give your final comments on the, on the three <laughs> alphas that pan to your hand as the, as the remote falls to the ground.
1: Uh, this is an extremely dark way to, uh, to end the podcast, but uh, I mean, this is... Uh, yeah, this is how Satan will welcome his uh his followers to to their next life. That that is for sure. Oh, there <laughs> Briefing you go. them on an buried... episode, or yeah, briefing them on the uh, on your documentary, the Last Elf. That that that'll be the way he does it, I think. <laughs> but um, you know, if that is my fate, then then so be it. But, um, thank you for that dark thought, Frederick. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah the only other thought problem. that I had on the last dance, if I could some some way or somehow segue back to that after that. Very interesting comment from you is, I don't believe the pizza story at all. What do you Not mean? Not one bit. I don't believe it at all. So, what do you think happened? There's no way that I believe five guys went up to Michael Jordan's bloody room and were able to get a sneak peek at Michael Jordan, understand that it, the pizza was for Jordan, and somehow that pizza was poisoned and it got all the way to Michael Jordan. There's no way I believe that. Really? I believe well, he was sick. I was. He was clearly sick. I believe he had some sort of ailment, whether it was the flu, whether it was food poisoning, whether it was something else. But there is no way that I can accept that Michael Jordan, one of the guys one of the biggest names and faces on planet Earth at that point. You know, five guys could just walk up to someone's uh up to Michael Jordan's hotel room and just hand him a pizza and 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 there would be no so there would be no sort of clearance at all. And it would be that easy to get to Michael Jordan. I just can't believe that. Well, as a former uh
0: maker of pizzas in the late 80s and early 90s, <laughs> or no, early 90s. If I found out that Bill Beer's pizza was being ordered, I would absolutely spit on it.
1: <laughs> but how how would they know that, like how, how would they find out? Like if you're Tim Grover, let's say, why don't you just go at the front of the damn uh hotel and just sort of pick up the pizza from there? Why? Yeah, I thought
0: that was kind of bewildering. Like, you know, there's five guys there. But why would they make it up, Mark? Come on. What, what what's the whole purpose for? It? You're like the biggest conspiracy theorist in the world. You can't believe this one. It's not really a big big stretch. Uh, I don't believe it. So just, just 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 go with it, will you? No, I'll, that's I'll, a true we've conjugate. heard it. <laughs> we see the conspiracy part about the three alphas and why Nico was uh, suspended for a game. Yeah, that that is a uh, complete
1: lie. <laughs> I will be on Chicago ready the next day, saying screaming lies, 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 <laughs> just like Horace Grant is right now. So. <laughs> But, uh, look, I think we've reached the, uh, the natural conclusion point of this episode, Frederick. Uh, thank you for joining me on this one as you have been the last few months as the co-host of the show. I've certainly appreciate your wisdom in going back and thinking about the last dance, thinking about the 98 era, or not the 98, the 90s era, the Jordan era, let's say. It's been fun to, uh, to go back and, look back on some more fun times during this odd strange time that we're all living in and particularly when the Bulls themselves aren't uh, necessarily that noteworthy right now so um, thank you for doing that obviously Bulls fans if you want to follow Fred on Twitter you can do so at CBE Fred tune into his podcast to Chicago Bullseye his his most recent episode he did a did an interview with Darnell Mabry two-part interview one was on the Chicago Bullseye feed go listen to that on Fred's feed there. And you can come back to Bulls HQ, listen to part two with Darnell Mabry on the Bulls HQ feed. Fred, that was a nice interview, mate. Thank you, brother. I mean, Darnell is a, a true a wordsmith,
0: an incredible interview, always fun. Did you hear the part where I I, I asked him to apologize to uh, Boylan for calling him a vi- village idiot? I did. did you hear I that? Did, of course what, I Was know. that on yours?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was on mine, yeah. <laughs>
0: So, luckily, I, I sent him a note and said, uh, you're not a village idiot, you're just a village ordinary person who shouldn't be coaching an
1: NBA team. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's appreciative that you reached out and uh, <laughs> at least clarified that. Thanks, <laughs> but no, that, that was a good listen. So, for Bulls fans, after you've done listening to this episode, go back, if you haven't already, listen to episode one with Darnell Bambry on the Chicago Bullseye feed, listen to part two on the Bulls HQ feed, and uh, you will get a good interview with Fred with Darnell maybe, but that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Don't know when we'll be back next, maybe in a week, maybe in two weeks. Depends on how this NBA season's unfolding. There are some rumblings that basketball may be coming back, so who knows? That may dictate our schedule going forward, but you know, just be on the lookout. Wherever you get usual podcasts, that's where you'll find Bulls HQ. That's where you'll see Fred and I and we'll certainly let you know on the socials when we are coming back. But that is just about it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for joining us. Speak soon, Bulls fans.